everybody here today. Uh, my name's Tony Baker. If you are a visitor with us today, welcome. I'm the lead pastor here at Gateway. Uh, today we're continuing our series. Gary, if you wanted to know what Gary said, we, every morning, Sunday morning, uh, I ask the, the team to give me one word of where they're at. And it's, it's kind of become a funny thing because, uh, especially with Tracy, she can't say anything in one word. Um, so it's really hard for her uh, to do that. She's, she's like going like this, yes, I can't. And the reason we do that is because it really makes you think hard. Like, you know, and Gary this morning couldn't think of a word. And so wouldn't you know, after worship, he thought of a word. He says, I thought of my word, grateful. So there, there you go. So that's what he was wanting to say is he was grateful this morning. Um, what a great worship time in the Lord's presence today. Uh, let me just start by saying today, we're, we're closing out Runaway, which is the book of Jonah. We'll be in the fourth chapter of Jonah today. But let me start this message out by saying there are just some people who are just really hard to love. <laughs> uh, I'm just being honest with you, uh, you know, and people are like, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to love everyone. Well, yeah, I know, but that doesn't mean there are some people <laughs> that are really hard to love. And let's be honest. Sometimes it's just easier to judge them, to criticize them, or to avoid them, or to keep them at arm's length than to engage with them. Than to love them, to embrace them, to get to know them, to not judge them. Especially for those of us that have been in the church for a very long time. I mean, our life was a mess too, right? I remember what it was like to be a sinner, to be lost, to be far from God, to be living a life that was not pleasing to God. But somewhere along the road, I decided to follow. Somebody invited me to church, or somebody invited you to church, or somebody invited you to a Bible study, or somebody uh, just befriended you and your life was a mess and you turned to Jesus and he changed everything for you. You decided to follow. And then you decided to do the hard work. I don't want to tell anyone, come to Jesus. It's easy, man. It's not. Following after God is not easy. (laughs) You try to do that in your own strength and power. You can't do it. So we do the hard work of Christianity. We put in the time the Bible studies, the church attendance. We give our time and our talents and our treasure. We do one-on-ones. We do Sunday school. We do Wednesday nights. We do Sunday nights. We do all kinds of things. We get up early in the morning to do our devotions. We put in the hard work. We put in the time because we have now moved from the black sheep pen of God's children to the good sheep pen of God's children, and we want to be good sheep. There's nothing wrong with that. We live good, moral lives. We do the best we can. We honor God and we try to live up to God's standard. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I look at the world and some of the things that are going on, it makes it difficult to love those people. I I think Tim Hawkins may have 
may be onto something about with this. And I got a short video, and just just watch. It's like a minute long. sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. People come in on Sunday. How you doing? Nice to see y'all. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. You're going to love it here. We just love people. You can just be yourself. You can just be yourself. We don't care. We don't judge you. We just love. You sit back and whatever questions you have, you let us know. We'll let you know whatever we can do for you, okay? Y'all newly married? You got four kids? Four kids. That is amazing. God love We love kids here. Kids are like a little gift from God is what they are. They are just wonderful little creatures that God gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where y'all from? Arkansas? Okay. There's some mints in the basket. Grab a handful, you circus freaks. Go ahead. Oh man, I think he might. I think he might be onto something. That um, when people come and this is how they view Chris, we just don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get too close or embrace too hard or maybe their dirt you know we don't want to get too close to the black sheep pen because we're afraid we might fall back into that there's nothing new under the sun it's a major theme in our human condition jesus knew it god knew it when he gave us the bible all throughout the bible we see god dealing with this issue between his people and God's heart for the world. Jesus tells a story of a man who had two sons. And maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. It's called the prodigal son. And we like to focus in on the prodigal son, don't we? I mean, there's a good son and there's a bad son. The good son stays home and is obedient and he's good and he works hard in the father's house. And then there's this young son who just doesn't care and he doesn't have any concern for the father or for the elder brother. And he just runs off and he takes, he takes a third of the family wealth and he squanders it on prostitutes and wild living most of us have heard this song, this, this, uh, this story. He leaves home. He squanders the fortune. And we find it easy to judge the young son. We look at the older son and think, oh, there's a good son. He's obedient. He stays. He does what he's supposed to do. He's a good son. But this guy, we can judge him, we can criticize him, we can avoid him. His own brother does this. When the son finally repents and he comes home, we hear the story that the father is waiting for the son and he runs to this son, he embraces the son, he, he puts a robe on him, puts him back into his place in the family, and we find out later that the, the, the older brother is just comes undone. This younger son is home, he's forgiven, he's reconciled, he's back again. And the older brother just blows his top. As you would and I would. In Luke chapter 15 he says this, Is it not in there? 
It's all right. Is Luke 15 in there? It's not in there. I'll give you the, I'll give you the condensed version. All right. He comes home. The, 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 the brother's out in the field doing what he's supposed to do. Right? And he hears that his, his brother's back. There it is. All right. So the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out to plead with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed you. Your orders, none of them. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Sounds about right. Sounds good to me. Why couldn't Jesus just tell us the story of the bad boy who needs to come to his senses, the bad son who needs to repent, the bad son that needs to get his life cleaned up, to get his life turned around? He needs to earn his way back into the family graces. Why did Jesus have to make the older brother part of the story? Because nothing is new under the sun. The book of Jonah that we're talking about deals with this very issue. And all of Scripture deals with it. And Jesus zeroes in on it in this story. Jesus always gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus always gets to the heart of the matter. There should be a slide for that. I just want to help make sure that something didn't get messed up on the slides. There it is. See? I knew it. It was there. Jesus always gets to the heart of the matter. The issue is not good and bad kids. The heart of the matter is loving the Father. The heart of your problem is loving the Father. The part of my problem and your challenge and my challenge is loving the Father. The, part, the problem with the younger son was loving the Father. And some of you would say, well, the older son loved the Father, did he? Well, he was obedient, but did he love him? Well, he did everything he was supposed to, did he love him? And the answer is no. Neither son loved the Father. Neither son knew and understood the heart of the Father the love and the compassion that he has for his lost children as well as his children who are home safe. Neither of the boys loved him because they did not embrace the heart of God. And all the religion in the world and all the obedience in the world and all the sacrifice and all the good, good, good in the world is nothing if you don't get and understand and be transformed by this incredible heart of God. That He loves everyone. Everyone. His passion and His compassion and His desire for His lost children to come home. If we, church, if we, Christian, if we, followers of Jesus do not get this heart of God, we will just become legalistic, religious people who never do anything for God in the world. And we'll say we're obedient, read my Bible today, said my prayers, 
but you miss the heart of who God is. And this is what Jesus was trying to get at. And this is what Jonah is trying to get at. Loving God, listen to this, loving God is loving His heart. I cannot love God and reject His heart. God's heart is like a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, lost one, left the 99 to go after the one. God's heart is like a woman with ten coins who lost one, who tore her house apart, swept it clean, spent all day and all night until she found the one coin. She was not just happy to have nine when there was still one lost. God's heart is a father sitting on a porch, looking down a road, waiting for a lost son to come home. That's God's heart. Embracing that son. Not even giving that son a chance to earn his way back, but instead gifting him in grace his rightful place in the family. That is the heart of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter 4. We're going to look at these 11 verses today and just walk through them. And here is the tension for us today. For those of us who are attempting to follow God, to love God, to know God, the tension is here. We like to feel like God might love us more because we're good and we're obedient. But the truth of the matter is, the reality of the Scripture is, is that God loves everyone equally. (laughs) And that's what blows our mind. That God could love them, that group, Just as much as He loves me. That's what the tension is. Now listen to this. The Bible, all throughout the Bible, with the people of Israel and with the church today, we see that the focus of God's mission is not me. The mission of God is for the lost. And sometimes in the church, we like to think God is here for us and He just comes to meet with us. And the reality is, God comes to us to say, hey, who wants to go on a mission? You know what I did for you? You know what I did for you? You know what I have done in your life? You know how I've changed your life? You know the grace I've poured out in your life? You know the the, the kindness I've poured out in your life? You know, you didn't earn that. I gave that to you. This is how God talking to Jonah. You know all this great stuff I've done for you? Are you? Are you grateful for that? Yeah, I'm grateful. Well, then let's go and share that with someone else. That's God's mission. That's what God's heart is all about. His lost children. There needs to be an urgency in us. A passion in us to see our neighbors and our co-workers and our family come to Christ. Let's open up to Jonah. <laughs> Jonah has been learning some lessons, hasn't he? First, he runs from God. God comes to him and says, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. And I've shared with you, if you haven't listened, you can go out online to AngolaGateway.com. All, all the other three messages are there. You can listen to them. But all through Jonah, we've heard this story. 
Jonah, I need you to go on a mission. I need you to go to Nineveh and share the gospel. I need you to go to Nineveh and tell them the word of God, okay? The good news that even though you're not my people, I love you and I'm going to save you. And Jonah's like, yeah, it ain't going to happen. That's Nineveh, God. The worst people in the whole world. They're enemies of Israel. They're evil. They're callous people. They're just, they have no concern for you, no concern for us. They are the bullies of the region. I am not going to Nineveh. And so he gets on a ship and goes as far away from Nineveh as he can. And sometimes when we read Jonah, we think, oh, Jonah's just being sinful and rebelling against God, and he's just running from God. And the truth of the matter is, he loved God, and he still wanted to be a prophet of God. He just didn't want to go to Nineveh. God finds him out in that ship. Storms are crashing in. He comes to the, the guys on the ship, and he says, Look, guys, this is me. It's my fault. It's my, God's looking for me. God's punishing me. God is coming after me, and you are in his crosshairs. Throw me over the ship. They're like, no, we'll try to row. And they try to row. You know, it's funny. They had more compassion for Jonah than Jonah had for Nineveh. And they tried hard to not throw him over until they were just about ready to die. And they said, okay. And so they throw him over. And he's sinking deep down to the foundations of the mountains. He is hitting rock bottom. He is dying, and he knows it. God is punishing me. This is, my, this is my judgment. God's putting me in this watery grave. And then God sends this great fish and swallows him up. And all through that, we learn that this compassionate God for Nineveh is also the same compassionate God for Jonah. He saves Jonah's life. The very compassion and kindness and concern that God has for Nineveh, he is now showing to Jonah. And Jonah's learning this lesson. And there in the belly of that well, Jonah just has a come-to-Jesus moment. And he prays. And he comes around and he says, Okay, God, I will obey you. I will go and do what you ask me to do. And so this fish throws him up on the shore. And I asked you, how far can you run from God before you feel like puke? Right? For Jonah, it was a long way. And there he is. He gets himself cleaned up, and he heads to Nineveh. And last week we learned that he preached to Nineveh. He didn't even have to go three days in, which is a three days to get around the city. He only went in one day, and it caught like wildfire, and the whole city repented. They, they even put sackcloth and ash on their cows. They didn't want to leave anything unturned. The, the, the repentance was so complete. They completely turned away. They didn't want any stone unturned. We want to make sure that we are right in the eyes of God. And they completely turned from God or from their ways to God. And that's where we're at today. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. So they repented and God saves them. And here's Jonah's reply. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What? And he became angry. Jonah, do you remember the fish? You remember the storm? What are you doing, Jonah? I thought Jonah learned his lesson. I thought Jonah was on board. Jonah is now obeying God, but here's the problem. 
You can obey God and follow God's laws all day long. But if your heart's not right, God's still coming after you. Did you catch that? Jonah obeyed God. He listened to God. He did what God told him to do out of obedience. But there's still something wrong with Jonah. Because he becomes angry about what God does. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said? Can you just hear him right now? Isn't this what I told you, God? This is why, this is why I ran. This is why I tried to get away from it. Because I knew, I knew you were like this. I knew you would do this. I knew if I went to Nineveh and I preached that you're a good God, a compassionate God, a caring God, and that you would save them. And now I'm angry about it. This is what I tried to foretell by fleeing to Tarshish, he said. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God. Slow to anger, abounding in love. I said it this week. I couldn't say abounding last week. Or astounding. I said astounding. That's what I couldn't say last week. You're a God who relents from sending calamity. Is there one more verse there? Listen to this. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than live. What? Is anybody else just like shaking their head at this? I mean, this is Jonah, the guy who went down to the ocean, ate by a fish, survived it, praised God for saving him, went and did what God asked him to do. God did what he said he would do, and now Jonah's angry, and he says, it's just better for me to die. But the Lord replied, now get this. Is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry? Anybody hear a heart recalibration coming up? Hey, Jonah, what are you so angry about? Is this right for you? Do you have a right to be angry about this? So finally, we get this clear view of Jonah's inner conflict. There are a lot of ups and downs in Jonah's story. Just about when you think Jonah is getting what, getting with God, you know, he goes to Nineveh, he preaches the word. Just about the time you think he gets it, chapter 4, we finally hear why Jonah ran away from God. He ran from God. And this comes from his own mouth. The reason he ran is shocking. It shocks you when you read it. He ran away because he knew God was good. He knew God would do what he said he would do. It wasn't sin that clouded his vision of God's character. Jonah wasn't so deep in sin that he just couldn't see God or understand God. This is the shocking thing about this story. Jonah actually knows God, understands God, knows his heart, but chooses not to join him in that. It's shocking. It's not rebellion. You're not going to tell me what to do, God. That's not what it was. It wasn't laziness. 
Jonah ran because he knew God would be merciful. And that shocks me. And it should you too. The Assyrians were this brutal people, oppressive, troublemaking. Jonah embraced God's justice and power. I think Jonah went hoping that I'm going to go and I'm going to preach and they are not going to repent and then we will see the justice. Then we will see the power of God and his anger that comes up against these people. But that's not what happened. Now, Jonah hates the fact that God was a God of mercy, a God of love and grace. And that sounds disturbing, that a person would think that, that a person would feel that. And it should shock us. It should make us uneasy. Because it cuts right through all this religious obedience that so many people are busy with. The dutiful prophet. It cuts right to the heart of the real problem with Jonah. Jonah's problem is not obedience. Jonah's problem is that his heart is far from God. His heart is not God's heart. And that is Jonah's sin. And like Jonah, it's our problem too. A sin-gripped heart cannot love the unlovable. It is ugly when it's out in the open. We hide it the best we can. God's heart was open to even the most guilty, the most sinful, the most unlovable Ninevites. But Jonah's was closed. Jonah's heart was locked up. It was dead bolted. It was sealed. Jonah hated seeing them repent because Jonah hated them. He hated seeing God's mercy toward them. He hated being the one prophet in all of Israel called to go. The one prophet who brought God and Nineveh together. That would be his legacy. And he hated it. Because him and his friends and his family and all the people that knew Jonah back home hated Nineveh too. What have I done is going through Jonah's mind. What am I going to tell my friends and my family back home? And this is why Jonah says, kill me now, God. Just end my life now. You've done such a great thing, but the hate for them is so great. I can't even show my face back home. But God is not letting Jonah get away with this. God calls Jonah out. God puts his finger on the heart of the matter. And he pushes Jonah a little further. And he says, Jonah, have you any right to be angry? Verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city of Nineveh. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. I think he was still holding out that God might just let him have it. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. 
And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Next verse. Is that verse 7? Yep. But, it, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. I, I know that feeling. I had that yesterday. Working outside in a yard. He wanted to die, he said. It would be better for me to die than live. Again, the second time, he wants to die. First, he's discomforted because God saved Nineveh. Now, and he has to face the people back home. Now he wants to die because he's discomforted. What would you do with your son or daughter if they talked like this toward other people? Would you be tempted to get firm with them? To get loud? We don't see this kind of ugliness very often, but it does come out sometimes, especially between brothers and sisters, or brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters. An unloving attitude in our children makes us cringe, doesn't it? Because we want our kids to love others. We want them to treat each other with respect. It would disappoint us. This is a holy God. And I would imagine that you and I, as I was thinking, man, Jonah, you just better cool it. You're about to get it. You're going to get another storm or another big fish is going to swallow you. Is God really going to tolerate Jonah's attitude toward Nineveh? After all that Jonah has done and all the hard work God has done to get Jonah to Nineveh, What do you think Jonah's self-centered, callous, bigoted, grumbling heart deserves today? Justice? Judgment? A good scolding from God? Another fish? Yeah, I think that too. But this is God we're talking about. Remember the God who is loving and gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love toward Nineveh? Again, this is the same God who is loving, long-suffering, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and gracious toward Jonah. This time, it's not a fish, but it's a plant. God appoints a plant to give Jonah shade. It's a miracle plant. It literally grows up overnight big enough to provide shade for Jonah. Jonah knows it's a gift of God. There are no plants on the earth that can grow that fast, except maybe a a weed. But this is no weed. Jonah knows that God has given him this to help him, and it comforts him. God gave him a gift But the next day, God appoints a worm to eat it up. And so Jonah now finds himself in this scorching east wind and blazing sun, and his head is very uncomfortable, and he feels as though he's going to die in the heat. Jonah chapter 4, verse 9. Go back one. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Sounds familiar, right? 
He's trying to teach Jonah a lesson here. Is it, he said? He says, it is, he said. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. Stop there. Just like verse 4, he's wanting to be dead again. Nineveh was the subject of the first, why are you angry? Now, the plant is the subject of the, why are you angry? Do you really think the issue is Nineveh and the plant? No. Do you think the issue is that Jonah didn't preach just right or didn't say the right things or tried to put a twist on it or wasn't completely obedient? Do you think that's the issue? No. There's something wrong with Jonah's heart. He can't get Jonah to see and to join God. God can't get Jonah to join him in his love for Nineveh. And so God is teaching him this lesson. Why is Jonah angry about the plant? Because it blessed him. He knew it was a gift. No plant grows that fast. He was happy to receive the gift because it delivered him comfort. Jonah feels good. He feels comforted. He feels blessed. And now he feels delivered. And God uses those very things, those very feelings, to drive home the point of the entire book of Jonah. And this is the point of the book of Jonah, the last two verses of Jonah. Verse 10. But the Lord said, and here's the lesson, You have been concerned about this plant, Jonah, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. I know, that seems strange to end Jonah with that, right? I'll explain that here in a moment. God has now turned the tables on Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days, but most of his time was fixated on the evil Assyrians and the grace of God and how God was about to bring those things together. Calls him. Jonah has not been willing to look at or deal with his real heart issue. But God is bringing him to this moment. A moment where the Holy Spirit can do his best work. Jonah is being brought face to face with the reality of his heart condition. His concern for the things of God is concerned in what all the things that he's concerned about. Finally, in chapter four, Jonah is concerned. Finally, he's concerned about something. He's concerned about loss. He's concerned about death. He's concerned about uh, discomfort. He's concerned about all those things. But it's about a plant. Finally, Jonah is concerned and cares about something. But it's a plant. Finally, 
Jonah's concerned. And God nails him for it. Jonah, where was all the concern and the grief and the pity when 120,000 spiritually ignorant human beings were about to vanish from the earth? Jonah, this is really a sad place to be. Even the cattle, the animals, are more valuable than a 24-hour plant. Tell me, Jonah, how is it that you felt nothing for them? Jonah could not love God because he could not love Nineveh. And God was rearranging his heart to change him, to give him a heart that loves the unlovable. Think about all that God has shown us in the book of Jonah. Not just in chapter 4, but the whole story of Jonah. God has given us a front row seat, an all-access pass to see and know this incredible God. A God whose heart is so big and open full of love, full of compassion for even the most evil in our society. But why? Why has God done this? So that we can take his heart, so that we can see his heart, put it in some trophy, you know, glass case so that we can look at it and remember back when God was so compassionate. No. God wants us to close God wants us close to his heart so that we may come to grips with our heart. Do you see it? Nineveh needed Jonah. Now get this. But Jonah needed Nineveh. God was recalibrating Jonah's heart back to the heart of God. And this is exactly why Jonah ends the way it does. Abruptly. Like there's something missing, right? It just ends. And I think I know what it is. I think God did this on purpose. We do not know how Jonah responded. Because it doesn't matter at this point how Jonah responded. What matters is, how are you going to respond? You are the continuation of the story of Jonah. How would you respond to this teaching? We're glad to receive the gift of mercy, but let's be honest. There are people in our life we would rather ignore or judge or condemn or forget or avoid or ridicule We would rather see them cursed than blessed. Listen, there are no ordinary people. There are no ordinary people. There are sinful people. There are lost people. There are saved people. But there are no ordinary people. Everybody has been created in the image of God, and that makes them valuable. They matter to God, and they should matter to us.
They are not ordinary. People matter more than anything in this world. People are immensely valuable, even priceless. You should like your hobbies, and you should like your cars, and you should like your jobs, and you should like your vacations, and you should like your pensions, and your movies, and your tablets. You should like your education, and you should like the causes that you go after. But listen, but you should always, always, always love people. They should always come before this other stuff. Just like Jonah, God has called us to go to every person in our circle, whether it's at school, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our families, whether it's in uh, our workplaces, whether it's in the community or the groups that we belong to. God calls us into those circles because there in those circles are our Ninevites. The people that are far from God who need to hear the gospel. The good news that God loves them in Jesus Christ and He saves them if they'll simply repent. The book of Jonah challenges us to take a look at our lives and it asks us this question, Who are my Ninevites? Who am I reluctant to go to when God nudges me? With whom am I resistant? Will all the Ninevites receive your message? No. But that should never be an excuse to not go. We're going to sing a song. Tracy and Dan are going to come up. I'm going to ask you to sit and just listen. And It's a new song. You, you, you might recognize it, but this song is called Make Room. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Are you ready to make room in your heart to let God do what He wants to do this morning? Are you willing? I'm going to tell you right up front, halfway through this song, I'm going to come back up here and I'm going to invite you to come. That God's calling you to your Ninevites. He's calling you to Nineveh. You already know who they are. You already know where they are. You already know, but you have resisted that because you would rather just keep a distance. And God's asking you to embrace. This is a commissioning today. I want to pray for every person here who wants to come and just say, I'm listening to the call of God. I'm going in Jesus' name to the Ninevites of my community, of my family, of my workplace, of my neighborhoods. I'm going to invite you to come. And we're just going to have a prayer service this morning to close this out. So let's sing this song this morning.